Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm as ready as I'm going to be. I'm going to have you guys just tell me everything about football. What is it? Okay, here we go. I've been doing this all day, so let's, I, I'm I know. Ready I feel roll. bad for you. Oh, I'm don't like, worry about Ugh. it. Sorry, right, I got to make a lasagna after this. Don't worry. It's way worse. Okay. <clears throat> I don't even know what episode this is. Uh, welcome to the latest episode of What Did I Miss? I want to say it's five, but honestly, it's all a blur. This is five more than I thought we'd get to do. Joining me today, a colleague. Look at that. Robert Mays, football guru, expert, knows everything. Thank God, because here we are the day before Thanksgiving. And I need some information. So I know you've been podcasting all day. Do you have a little left in the tank? Oh, I got plenty left in the tank. Don't worry. I, t- talking about the fact that I talk about football all day is don't tell our bosses, our shared bosses now. It, it's something I would do anyway. So the fact that it's what I get to do for work is nice. So days like today, when you're trying to cram it all in before the holiday, it seems like a lot. It's not really a lot. I like that you said that. Do your friends kind of like your friends that have actual real hard jobs, do they sort of mock you sometimes? And then there are days when you notice maybe the anger is a little bit more real. Oh, yeah. This is your job. The the switch definitely (laughs) flips. Yeah. When we were younger and, you know, when you're 23, 24 and no one really has responsibilities, it was mostly in jest. But now that they have to go to their jobs and then come home to their kids and all that other stuff. Now the bitterness is real. It is funny because I do think sometimes I'm thinking that that one sounded hurtful, but I'm going to let that (laughs) one pass. Um, So I'm going to start things off because this is this is our first time talking. So, yes, we are going to get to a lot of football, but I figured I'd ask you a few questions because you're a Bears fan. And it just so happens today. There's some some of your coach news that he was specifically asked. Hey, dude, are you getting fired after the game on Thursday, as, as has been reported? Uh, what, what's your thoughts on that? Are you good with him? Are you not good with him? What would you like to see happen? It's an unfortunate situation. I mean, you think about the actual personal aspects of this with his kids and having to answer these questions. That part of it's never fun. You never want to see somebody have to field stuff like that and endure this in any job. But on a football level, it's time. Hmm. I thought it was time after last season. And the decisions they made where they decided to keep Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and have them trade up in the draft for a quarterback. You look at some of the scenarios that's happened more than you think in the last 10 years. Jared Goff is a perfect example. Right. The last time this happened with Mitchell Trubisky is a perfect example where another regime picks the quarterback. And then now you're looking for a new coach. Does he like the quarterback? What's his plan for the quarterback? That's <laughs> a recipe to stunt that guy's development. And now that's what we're staring down in Chicago. It's very likely that they're going to move on from him. And now you have a guy that you've invested so much in at that position. And now you're going to maybe bring in a coach that didn't pick this guy. So their plan over the last 12 months has been, I think there's been a lot lot left a lot to be desired is what I would say. It's crazy because the way they were wording it, or at least maybe the way I interpreted it, was that win or lose Thursday. um, I've always thought it was just such a a bizarre thing to sort of float the idea that somebody is going to lose their job. It's a very kind of long, extended, tortuous thing that we do to people, and, and, and I would hate it. But the idea that if he wins or loses, maybe, and that the fact that they're chanting for his job at Bulls games, like the cross sport hatred. I, maybe it's been a while. Maybe I don't remember. That just seems 
extra. I, look, Chicago's an amazing sports town. Is it that bad there? I mean, is, is the feeling of angst that bad about this? And will it matter if you bring a new guy in? That's the big question, right? I mean, that's the big question as it relates to this entire organization is that you, the people at the top of this thing, Ted Phillips and George McCaskey, who make these decisions, there's not a lot of faith in them. I mean, you look at the last few guys they've chosen in the Phil Emery, Mark Trustman era, what is was a disaster. And what's happened and unfolded during the Nagy era is just, I mean, you had that one year in 2018 where Vic Fangio was still running the defense, but the guy is supposed to be this offensive guru and the offense has been miserable and nobody has developed. I mean, that's to me the biggest disconnect between a team like the Bears and then the best teams in the league, where you look at the Sean Paytons and the Andy Reeds and the Sean McVeighs. You have all these places where your offensive players develop. It's a perfect environment to watch those guys grow. And in the NFL, you need to be good on offense to win. And the Bears don't <laughs> have that. And that, to me, is the holy grail. Can you find that figurehead at the top that can create that environment? That's the challenge. And it's really hard. You know, where we look for these guys, I don't even know if that's the right idea, picking the next hot coordinator and just seeing if he's the answer. So that's, I think, what the Bears need to do. I think they need to move on. They need to find a new offensive coach that has a plan for Justin Fields and kind of create that environment. It's easier said than done, but I think this sure. has run its course. God, it's, it's, it's a bummer because it is always very sad to think about. But you've got a game. You've got one of your Thanksgiving games popping up. Um, I, I was told this is our production. This is our producers doing their jobs. You're not thrilled with the idea that Dalton's getting a start. It's unfortunate because at this stage of the season, I was watching the Bears to watch Justin Fields. Like all that was that it. Matters, that was the only. Reason. That was it. That was it. And it's it went even even went beyond that. The outcome of the game was not important to me. Watching them play the Steelers on that Monday night, they ended up losing that game, and I'm just floating for the next two hours after the game is over. My fiance is like, "Why are you in such a good mood?" Because he played great. That those Aww. like five to seven plays from the rookie quarterback. If I saw those during the game, it's over. Like the game and my emotional investment in it is all done. The outcome is not important here. So now removing him from that equation, I've run out of reasons to care. Like he is the <laughs> reason it. I wanted to watch the Bears this year and now he's just out of the picture for at least this week and maybe more. Like I, I laugh because as sports fans, we're always sort of brainwashed into thinking there's no such thing as moral victories. But what you just described is the epitome of a moral victory that you've got one little thing that is keeping you holding on and now, and now nothing. You've got I to feel, understand you. life as a Bears fan. And I'm 34 years old. And I wrote this when they drafted Justin Fields. And I got to respond to it in real time on video for The Athletic. And people were thought it was hilarious because I watched them <laughs> trade up for him in real time. And my response, everything couched into that is just this idea that for 34 years, I watched my football team every Sunday and I never believed they would win because of the quarterback. Like imagine if you were a Packers fan for this ex exact same amount of time and you got to watch two Hall of Fame players every single week and you had that inherent knowledge that you had the biggest advantage possible every single time your team stepped onto the field. I right. have never felt that one time in three and a half decades. So unless yes. they solve the quarterback, what matters? So to me, that is the most important thing. I look, I've been, I've been, obviously I've been a Spurs fan. That's my only real fandom. And so I had a really nice stretch and run there for a while. <laughs> you can but say you that. You do forget. I know, right? It was okay. It is funny though. We forget a, the number of fans for the number of, sports that exist in the world and B that the majority of these fans don't have 
happy runs. Like they've been basically waiting and waiting and waiting. And when you just described that, I realized 34 years, but yet you're still there. And this is the torture that is being a fan. And especially of a fan of a team that should be better and should be great based solely for me, the city that they represent. Yeah, no, I'm bummed out for you now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's like it's unfortunate now <laughs> because for most of my life, like they had good stretches. The Lovey Smith era was, was okay. They won 10 games a season a couple different times. They went to a Super Bowl. They were in the playoffs a few times. But now we've reached this place where <laughs> you can't win in the ways the Bears used to win. You can't be a defensive team that wins year in and year out in the NFL. The way the rules are, the way the position is, it's impossible. So I, that's why I've kind of globbed myself onto that idea of if you don't figure out the quarterback, what matters? Because the way the league and the sport currently exists, you can't be the 2005 Chicago Bears anymore. Like that is right. never going to be a way to a forward path to winning. So that's why in my mind, like it's Justin Fields or bust. And now that there's no Justin Fields, it's just bust on Thursday. This is like heartbreaking. It's like they ran out of your favorite thing on the menu. There's what's the point? And you're stuck yes. at the restaurant regardless. Um, all right. So here's the deal. We've got Thanksgiving football. All six teams playing on Thursday lost this past weekend. That to me feels, look, I mean, obviously the TV is going to be on football because it is Thanksgiving. What's like, that is just the loser bowl of loser bowls. And I don't know how I feel about it. Do I get excited about the games going into Thursday? Do I think to myself, don't care. It's just white noise in the background. How am I supposed to feel about this? If you're an NFL fan, I think that the final two games of this, of the week, the final two games of the day are intriguing. Like there is intrigue as they relate to the NFL season, because even if they had down weeks last week, and even if there are some concerns about them, I think the Cowboys and the Bills are still real Super Bowl contenders. So when you're looking at those two teams, you want to see them bounce back. You want to see right. kind of how this fits into their trajectory over the course of the year. So I'll be glued to those two games. The problem is their opponents <laughs> in those games, the luster is gone, right? Just like the Raiders going, are just ugh. the Raiders have had the strangest season imaginable. And now wow. the arrow is just headed down and their offense is just, it was entertaining for parts of the year and Derek Carr was playing really well, but it always seems like they just hit a wall. Every single yeah. year they hit a wall and they have hit it. And then with the Saints, the Saints are just a mess. I mean, <laughs> at a certain point, like you need players to win. I think Sean Payton is one of the best coaches in the league, but you're Trevor Simeon's playing quarterback, some combination of Kevin White and Traquan Smith are playing receiver. You have all of your backup offensive linemen. It doesn't matter how good of a coach you are. So the matchups themselves are not nearly as interesting as they might have been four or six weeks ago. But yeah. I think as it relates to the importance for Dallas and for the Bills, it's definitely still worth watching. All right, mentioning Dallas, Jason Garrett loses his job uh, with the with the Giants. Let me ask you, where do we see him next? Where does he go? Does he does he fail up? Does he get another coordinate? What is the deal for Jason Garrett? Your prediction? I think it's hard to talk yourself into him as a coordinator. I thought it was a bad choice in the moment. You did see. I've heard. Yes. I've heard both sides. I've heard some people say, "Ah, wasn't as bad as we thought he would be." But I'm starting to think that's how we describe Jason Garrett. Maybe Jason Garrett was had play calling taken away from him in Dallas, or he was phased out of that process multiple phased. different times over the last decade. I mean, there were several different moments where he's replaced by Bill Callahan, and then he's replaced by Scott Linehan eventually, and then he's replaced by Kellen Moore. And it seemed like the Oof. further he got away from those decisions, the better the Dallas offense got. In 2019, right. when Kellen Moore took over from Scott Linehan, that's when they were one of the best offenses in the league. So their offense, I think for a lot of that stretch, succeeded in spite of Jason Garrett. 
So bringing him in to oversee your entire offense in the year 2021 never makes sense to me. So I don't know what's next for him because unless he can have a role as like a CEO type coach, a CEO type head coach, I don't know where he fits into the league right now. So it's a really difficult question to answer. Some of these guys that, you know, were head coaches for 10 years and now they're asked to go back to that coordinator role. I just don't think they're fit to do it with the way the league currently works. Offensive coaches are too good. The league has changed too much. And it just didn't seem like he was equipped to deal with that. If you had to guess, put five bucks on it. Do you think his next gig is is on the field in some capacity? Or does he maybe get like a talking head job somewhere? I think an, a job within an organization, something like that. I, I don't. It'd be hard for me to see him as a coach in right. any sort of major role, unless it was as a head coach. Unless you could talk yourself into, all right, if you're if you're an owner and you're a non-creative, not imaginative owner, and you're just <laughs> sitting there thinking, I mean, listen, Mike McCarthy got another job, <laughs> so if you're if you're looking at it, you just say, hey, I need a band aid on this thing. I need somebody who's been in this gig, who's done it before. I'm, that's not an inspiring choice to me, but it's not the craziest thing in the world if that happens three, four years from now as he gets to rehabilitate his image a little bit. The further he gets away from coaching, the more attractive he might become. That is That right there is what it is. I think sometimes take a little break. Maybe people will forget the bad. You, somehow we always remember the good. And next thing you know, you get another shot at it. Coaching for me is bizarre. We, we tend to recycle. Um, and I, I'm with you. Sometimes they'll throw a name into the ring and I'm like, that's where we're going with this. He does have a little bit of youth on his side. So I wonder if that'll be enticing to some of the owners who, like you said, are not creative. It's funny because J- Jason Garrett, when he started off, he was the young hotshot offensive coach. Remember? Because Bill Parcells right. was there and then they had that transition. And it's like, oh, this is the guy. Like He's the coach in waiting. And then he gets the chance. And to see that transition from young hotshot coordinator to Oh my, has the game passed him by? Like that time moves a lot faster than all of us are ready to deal with. It hurts. It hurts to get old and it hurts to be passed by. I feel for him. I, I hope he'll be okay. Um, do you I do you believe I kind of want to keep a running tally? I think I'm gonna leave this like piece of paper here on my desk because we're gonna talk about this Manning cast situation. It is to me one of the most simply thought out, well executed jobs television has put in front of us in a long time. Um, and I know Peyton's company has basically everything to do with that. Do you believe in the Manning cast cursed? Cursed. That's hard to say. Curse. <laughs> are you uh, superstitious? I'm not superstitious at all. I, to the okay. point where it's almost a blind spot for me. Like I, I don't understand how other people are superstitious. What? So it, it's just hard for me to engage with some sports fans because of that. I think it's just because so much of the wonder and innocence as I see it in sports has died in my soul. Like I've just been so close to it that I see it in this cold calculated way now. And I just, the magic has just evaporated for me. So now any sort of curse, any sort of whimsy to it like that is just hard for me to engage with. I know, I know that that's bad. Like I know that that's an objectively bad bad thing to have happen to you. So you don't believe if a no hitters, you'll talk about a no hitter as it's happening. No, but that's more about tradition than it is that about... That is a superstition. It's, I think Come that's on. more about tradition than it is about superstition. Like, I think well, that... How, why? When you are... if Because if other people are superstitious and you're flying right. in the face of that, I don't know if I could swear on here, that just makes you a bad person. Like That just makes right. you a bad guy. If other people <laughs> believe in something 
and you are openly mocking it, even if you're, that doesn't make you superstitious to believe in those things and abide by those things. It makes you courteous. So if there was a no hitter going on, I wouldn't talk about it because I understand the unwritten rules. Okay. Okay. How about as a, as a sports reporter, as we have to sit there sometimes through games, like a, perhaps a basketball game and it's close and somebody says no overtime and inevitably now we have an overtime. Is that a superstition? Because I think it is. And I get mad when someone in the room says, oh, we're not going to have an overtime. And now we have three. That's the night where you have a flight to catch. I can understand the the anger that could arise from people playing with fate <laughs> like that. Like just doing that and, and throwing it out there and having that be red meat to whatever sports gods you believe in. I can understand yes. why that's annoying. I do not personally believe that person had an impact on the outcome of what happened. But I can understand uh-huh. being upset with that person. That's what that's where oh, so, I'll land on this. So here's the deal. Manning cast, they had active NFL guys on, and then they turned around and lost their following games. For two weeks now, last this week was their second week in a row without an active NFL player. Does that tell you, though, that somebody in that group believes in the curse? Oh, and athletes are very superstitious. Baseball I mean, superstitious. think about how many, just the overall rigors of their schedule and like the ways that they are just crazy about that stuff. I would not be surprised at all. And active players are like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. I mean, right? there, you could talk yourself into that because that actually could have some sort of causal connection. Like, Oh, I didn't get to prep enough. And I was kind of out <laughs> of it. And I wanted to be locked in. Even if I, I think that's wrong, you could still rationalize that. So that's not surprising to me whatsoever. Wow. You really don't. I, that's I'm shocked a little bit that you don't believe in the superstitions. Aaron Rodgers, uh, what are we calling the toe injury? Nightstand banging the toe? What is it? What are we What are we dealing with? I'm here? not sure. I mean, what do you say? It was a little bit worse than turf toe is, is how he's yeah, describing little, which, it. Which nobody really knows what turf toe is. I don't care what anyone Turf says. toe hurts. <laughs> but I mean, like I've had I've had a version of turf toe before where it's the how? it's the bone. It's 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 like a sesamoiditis is like a somewhat like close to turf toe in a way where it's like a inflammation on the two bones at the bottom of your big toe and the ball of your okay, foot I'm staring at my foot right now so two and bones so bottom when, of my big toe when you walk on it turf toe is worse than that but even having that version of it walking around on that is not fun and so turf toe is like that times three or four i mean it's it's about like that little tendon those bones on the bottom of your big foot on the bottom the ball of your foot so if it's worse than that i'm sure he's in a lot of pain a lot of discomfort but we still don't. It's so mysterious. I also love that Howard Stern has now just become the all commenter on all things Aaron Rodgers. Now I hear he has a toe injury. When he had the toe injury, did he go to the doctor or did he go to Joe Rogan who fixed his toe? Like, I feel like Howard Stern went from didn't really care about sports to obsessed with Aaron Rodgers in the last several weeks. Are you enjoying sort of the drama around Aaron Rodgers? Are you shocked that this is sort of where we are? I'm surprised that it's that's where we are. You know, as somebody who, you know, I've had conversations with him in the past. I've enjoyed those conversations. I've always been struck by him as somebody who is thoughtful. And yeah. when you ask him a question, he genuinely thinks about the answer. And that's why I always liked talking to him about stuff, whether it was what he was engaging in or reading or watching, whether it was the way that defenses were shifting in the NFL. I mean, he and I had a long conversation about that before the season started about this shift schematically in the league and how offenses had to attack that. And when you talk to him about that stuff, he's digging into like NFL history and why things change and all the different things that he's seen. I remember a few years ago, I wrote a story about 
just the dynamic when you're a starting quarterback and waiting, like when you get drafted as a first round pick and you know, you're going to take someone's job, what the quarterback room is like and just how thoughtful he was about that stuff. And the, that thoughtfulness and his just willingness to kind of sit there and wrestle with some of those ideas to me is just in contrast with the way, what we've seen from in the last couple months. And, And that's why it's a little bit disappointing just because it's, it was surprising to me. I, I just did not expect this to be the outcome of him and the vaccine and that entire dialogue. I was like, that was very well put. Better better put than I've heard from most. All right, I, we're almost there. I know you're podcasting your butt <laughs> I'm off doing today. Great. No, we're gonna take a real. We're taking a quick break. We're gonna come right back after this, and then I'm. Well, we're basically gonna put you on a pedestal that you deserve because you've got a capital J journalism, and I'm a no J journalism. So we'll be right back. <laughs> Are you ready? Let's oh, do I should have put money. I was going to put money on this Jonathan Taylor thing and I forgot. All right. We're playing a little game. It's called Can You Corroborate? Obviously, oh, Robert is right. um, much more qualified to answer these questions. I'm going to pose them to you. You give me your answers. We will start with Can You Corroborate? Jonathan Taylor is the media favorite for MVP. I think that in a season where there are no dominant quarterbacks, right? Where no quarterback has run away with it, you're, you're inevitably going to get this. It's going to be, there's going to be some fascination with a non-quarterback. You know, he had that huge game against the Bills. He had a nice moment in primetime against the Jets a couple weeks earlier. He's going to have a really visible game against the Bucs this week. So you can see it start to build a little bit. But I just think that with the way analytics has come to affect the way we think about and talk about sports, I don't think in 2021 it's possible for a non-quarterback to develop enough momentum to win the MVP. I think we're going to come back to, and you know, like these numbers say this. And if you really think about the game, I feel like 2012 with Adrian Peterson is the product of a bygone era. I just don't think that the way the sport is played and the way we talk about it and think about it, even guys with AP votes, you know, that aren't from that world, you look at PFF grades and how that determines Pro Bowl and all pro voting now, even stuff like that. I just think it's too much of a jump for a running back to do it, even if there's no clear quarterback answer. This could not you could not have answered that better because of the way this game is set up, that you're the journalist and I'm not because you base that all on numbers, analytics and facts. I can only tell you that while I was watching football this weekend, when Fox was running through their scoreboard, and you know how they've got those silly little cartoons for the, for the players? Every single player game matchup was a quarterback cartoon for their team, except for Jonathan Taylor. He was the only non-quarterback used as a cartoon avatar on Fox's board. Hey, I don't know. Maybe that means something, but I'm going with it. <laughs> it means something. There's a larger conversation to be had here about running back value and about where they fit into the sport and whether that's coming back a little bit, because I think for a long time, you could have just a dominant running game. Like in 2012, Adrian Peterson made the playoffs for the Vikings. Like he's the reason they made the playoffs. But then starting the 2011 season, I think really kicked this off and then it really transitioned over the next three or four years where the passing game just exploded. Like 2011 was the first season that it did, but then that 2014 or Aaron Rodgers MVP season, like you just saw these quarterbacks with all these monster numbers, right? Like Matthew Stafford slinging the ball around, Drew Brees throwing for 5,000 yards, and it just became such a pass-happy league. And now I think that 
we're kind of creeping back toward this place where we're understanding how important running backs are. Like you look at what the Titans offense is without Derrick Henry compared to what it looks like with Derrick Henry. You see what Jonathan Taylor is doing for the Colts. So, but even if the pendulum is swinging back a little bit, I still don't think it's ever going to be able to swing back that far. You mentioned Adrian Peterson. He got three games. That experiment is now over. He was cut. Can you corroborate? He will play again in the NFL. This would have, it feels like this would have been the chance, right? I mean, you have a team that needs a running back like that. Like kind of what I'm saying about Derrick Henry, it's such an outlier in terms of how this Titans team built their entire offense around a running back in a way that no one else in the league has in the last three or four years. They needed a downhill kind of power runner to make the whole engine go, and he still couldn't catch on there. And that's why it just feels like if it was going to happen, this is the opportunity for it to happen, and they still couldn't make it work. I mean, that position, it's hard to play that position at 30. He's 36, right? I mean, it shouldn't be surprising that he's struggling right now. I I would be surprised if it happened because the Titans were about as desperate as a team could be, and it still didn't take hold. And that was the one that couldn't get it done. All right. Uh, Can you corroborate the NFL? (laughs) And the keyword is quietly. They will quietly just get rid of this taunting rule or at the very least tweak it so it's not so ridiculous. It feels like that would have happened already, right? I mean, if you look at some of the other rules and the ways that it's been an emphasis early and then transitioned away from it, I think the roughing the passer penalty is the perfect example. Where for the first month of the year, people are like, this is ridiculous. Like you are swinging outcomes of games with this stupid version of the rule. This makes no sense. And then they quietly (laughs) drift away from it. But now you had that moment. I I feel like if it was going to happen, that Bears game Cassius Marsh moment, say Cassius Marsh a hundred times, that Cassius Marsh moment in the Bears game is the moment that it would have happened because it was so visible. Like big changes in the NFL come from visible moments. If that pass interference, the controversial one, doesn't happen in the NFC Championship game, we don't have reviewable pass interference the next season. But the fact that it happened on a national stage in prime time and they're still doing this I just don't know what it would take to push them off this spot. I guess the why do they want this? I don't understand it. Makes no sense. Maybe to I me. If, because to, what I've seen. I mean, the pointing the other day. How in what universe? I don't even care if we are the most sensitive version of humanity that's ever existed on the planet. Pointing has it's not taunting in any way you look at it. So at what are we protecting? Who are we protecting? What is the optics that they're trying to portray with this rule? Because that's the one thing I can't figure out. Sometimes there are rules that exist that I don't understand, but I can maybe look at them and go, that's what they're trying to accomplish. I see no reason for this rule. I cannot I feel come the, up with anything. Exact same way. I feel the exact same way. It's just, I don't know what the point of it is. You have this game where the levels of emotionality are so high by design, like what it takes to work yourself up to play in an NFL game and asking guys to tamp that down for no reason is just so stupid. And then like, what? why is this version of it what we're trying to legislate out? You watch the Chiefs game, Chris Jones is menacingly dancing at the line (laughs) of scrimmage. The entire Chiefs sideline is doing a menacing choreographed dance in this like, we are dominating you right now feel. And that's not a penalty. So like, what are we really doing? It just makes absolutely zero sense to me. I... Talk about the journalism with a capital J, a shortcoming that I have had this year. 
there are coaches on the competition committee I could probably talk to about this. Like, why did you put this forward? And I have not done that just because <laughs> I'm, I'm, af- I'm afraid it'll ruin relationships that I have because I hate it so, so much. It's like, why would you do this stupid thing? So I've shied away from it, but it's gotten to a point now where I think I might have to ask. Have you met anyone who likes it? Because I think no. that's the only thing left. Like, so no, not John one Mara person, right? is like the only person who likes it. I mean, when they were talking about it before the season. I think he's the only person. There are some coaches that have come out in favor of it when asked at press conferences. My assumption is that's just that I'm here so I don't get fined sort of thing. <laughs> right. Like, I have no idea how you can truly stand behind that rule. What good is it for anyone? Anyone. I don't know. Like just, or define it, taunting better. If you're gonna have, if you want something that says taunting, fine, define taunting a little bit better. Because I, this, that to me doesn't do it. I'm not, I'm not offended by that. I'm not threatened by that. It's, it's not scary. Like I can't figure that one out for the life. There of me. are, there are, there are rules. There are rule changes in the NFL that seemed really weird at first. And like, how could we play the game? Like the player safety rules. Right. When, right. You know, those right. first couple of years when we had all of those flags that were flying for personal fouls about hits over the middle, it's like, this isn't football anymore. And how could they do this to the game? It's fine now. Guys right. have changed. Guys God, have altered what they've done. That. It was it, yeah. it, the sport was dying. It was over. It was never going to come <laughs> back from this. It's like 70 million people watch every NFL game. And, yep. But it happened. But you can understand why that rule needed to exist. And you could understand why that transition was important. This does not need to exist. A transition is not important. Just saying it. All right. Can you corroborate? Eli Manning is paying a comedian to feed him funny lines on the Manning cast. I mean, they have a writing staff, right? Like they have cue cards. They're reading. I I think they're reading some of these things, but I do think that both of them have timing and are witty. I don't know if he's getting every line fed to him. I assume some of it is coming from a team, but I do think that those guys, you can't be on TV for three hours on live television and come off that likable without having it intrinsically in you. Like you need that element of your personality in order to pull this off, which is part of why I think it's been successful because they do have that. Like they can exist in that moment. You need some nimbleness comedically to be able to do (laughs) what they're doing. Even if you're getting fed some stuff. They also have, especially Eli, in my opinion, he almost has the perfect sort of personality and uh, delivery to be someone that if they did want to feed him lines, he could, because he already kind of has that goofy little yes. brother, like derp, derp, like that. It, and so the idea that if he takes a second and then it would work, like I totally believe that that came out of his head because of the way he already delivers his everyday talking. And so I just can't, I just can't talk highly enough about that show. I just, I who thought it. of it to put two brothers on a couple couches, thousands of miles away, and then talk about the one sport that you both were amazing at and successful and and some say dominant like that's god if you could put any two brothers i don't even know if you have to be brothers at this point but if we think of another sport in which to do this how do we go about it who are we taking the only criticism i would have is that i don't need the types of guests that they have like i feel like there are like bill parcells i thought was great last night but i want guests that can needle Eli and Peyton about their own background. Like if you want to okay. bring on someone who played with one of them in order to kind of get the ball ro- like Pat McAfee was great because right. he played with Peyton Manning. So if you can have a catalyst for story time 
in that okay. little mix, I think that would be really helpful. I'm curious what you said about Eli. Do you have siblings? I do. Yeah. Where, where My brother do you and fall I are in the like order? That. I'm the oldest. Okay. So I'm the oldest too. My yeah. theory, and so Eli is the youngest of three. I am the yep. oldest of three. My little brother is exactly like Eli Manning. Very quiet, very reserved, but just has a quip ready at the at the ready all the time. Like always <laughs> has like the funniest joke. My fiance, who I'm staying with right now and her family, she's the oldest of three. Her little brother, just all cylinders yeah. all the time. I yeah. think that there is a there's something huh. to soaking all of that stuff in as the youngest of three siblings and just developing that skill. I feel like that's real. I believe you. Although I'm never going to admit my brother's quicker than I am. That would be just, that would be a death. It's the death knell for me. I can't do it. <laughs> but he is quick. You're right. He's quick. That He and I have the same personality. The middle one's completely different. Huh. I'm, I'm much louder than my little brother. I'm, I, I think he probably is quicker than me, but it's just that subtle comedy where he just kind of mutters a joke under his breath that's funnier yes. than anything anybody else can come up with. That to me feels like muttering. a youngest sibling thing. It's the muttering. It's, it is definitely the muttering. All right. I, I had other ones, but I don't even I don't even want to get to those right now. We're taking another quick break because I know it's Thanksgiving uh, tomorrow, actually. And a couple food questions I need to get with you before we leave. So let's do it. A couple more minutes. We'll be back. Okay. Thanksgiving food. I, so overrated. I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm very ready. I Food takes are like, this is when I bring the fire. I, I really Honestly, care about this Honestly, I told Athletic, deeply. I was like, can I just do four hours about food every day? I'll do that. <laughs> be the most amazing thing ever. Yeah, that's so our podcast with Mitchell Schwartz is where we are essentially getting to that because he loves just cooking. Food. So, oh, see, I don't like. I just, I, I just want to eat. That's all I want to do. Um, so it's Wednesday. Tomorrow's Thursday. The great Thanksgiving for some favorite holiday. For me, it's it's up there, but only in the sense that I love food and food food centered holidays for me are what it's all about. Um, and this is the time of year where a lot of arguments start. For you start with Halloween, you start with the candy corn argument at Halloween, and that sort of trickles into Thanksgiving. <laughs> and inevitably, everybody wants to talk about what's overrated, what's underrated. Before we even get to that, what is your favorite and least favorite part of a Thanksgiving meal? My favorite part, we ranked the, the sides yesterday. I think a really good <laughs> stuffing is my favorite one. Wow. I, I just think that it's, it can be so complex. There's so many different ways you can take it. Like I love herby foods. So like you throw some right. sage in there and it's like rosemary and thyme and it's got like that deep herby flavor, put some sausage in there. Like It just to me is such a great combination of stuff. We made one for our friends giving a couple weeks ago. There was cornbread stuffing with like hatched chili Delicious. in it. And it was amazing. Wow. So I just think that, I like that. The, the the flexibility and versatility in stuffing is why it gets that spot for me. And okay, I prepare. don't love turkey. Thank you. I just am not a turkey person. I, I feel like I, I maybe some people are gonna say you're not cooking it the right way. Like I've never had fried That's... turkey. I've never smoked a turkey. If it's that hard, I don't want it. <laughs> like I just feel like Thanksgiving would be upgraded. If we had chicken instead of turkey, I think chicken is just a superior meat to the turkey that we eat on Thanksgiving. Wow, wow, that's okay. where I'm sitting. I, I think I saw somebody I saw talking about that. I'm with you on the turkey. Um, I will say, if you haven't had a fried turkey, I would suggest trying it because it did definitely blow regular turkey out of the water. It's not my favorite though. I, I think for me, the best. I, I like all potatoes. Um, I like mac and cheese, which is actually the exact thing what got me thinking about this topic. I guess the Patriots were asked about every single thing Thanksgiving related. Um, Matthew Junon started, he literally said, mac and cheese is just noodles and cheese. 
get it away from me. <laughs> it makes me so what, sad that someone would think what? that. It Who makes me so that? sad that the, someone would think that. First of all, I, I never grew up with mac and cheese at Thanksgiving. No, that was no, never a thing that we did. I never had mac and cheese at Thanksgiving. I think it's a regional thing. I've, and I just, it's never something I had, but I deeply right. care about mac and cheese. Oh, and I, I started making my own for the first time when I got older. Like we'd have Friendsgivings or potlucks or whatever. We'd, I'm a big barbecue person and I love barbecue sides. So whenever I do barbecue, I always try wow. to make mac and cheese. And it's, it is an art, like making a really <laughs> good is. one and like making the bechamel and like really getting it the yep. right consistency and figuring you gotta burn all the that top out. a little yes like it needs it's to just, be a little yeah you really yeah. have to care about that and like all right what's the right amount of cream that i should pour in here like what <laughs> kinds of cheeses so it is deeply important to me so when people go out of their way to say stuff like that it just hurts i, I just it wish hurts. the better things had happened to them when they were younger in the mac and cheese world I'm sad because it makes me think he hasn't had the right mac and cheese. Yes. And and that that bums me out because it's you're missing out. And uh, the one thing, I think Bill Belichick said one thing in his entire life that I 100 wholeheartedly percent agree with. He said potatoes, any form. Yes. And that, yes, to me, potatoes is one of the most perfect foods. Mac Jones, however, stated that he hates all pies. All pies. Again, that's just sad. That's not a thing. It's just sad. Like, I, I don't like pumpkin pie. I think pumpkin pie is Fine. overrated. Yeah, me neither. To me, it is a whipped cream delivery system. Like I love whipped yeah, cream. And that's Pumpkin pie is designed to give me whipped cream. But there are so right. many amazing pies. Like What is not to like about pie? A great pie crust is just butter. Like That's all right? that it is. So Some again, free, just You could put sad. chocolate. Like I, all pie to me, it's like saying I don't like um, I don't like cheese. Well, there are one billion types of cheese. You can't and possibly even that know sounds that you crazy. just like them all. Well, that's a that's an asinine statement. Whoever that person is is not my friend. I mean, but yeah, chess I, pie, I, pecan pie, like oh, apple geez. pie, like I mean, there's Cherry just so pie, many. I I love Boston pie. Cream. <laughs> I I'm with you on the potatoes, but what is if you had to like stack up potatoes? How would okay. you do it? Like where what's up at the top and for you? I go French fry at the top, but it better be a good French fry, right? Has to be good. Has to be perfect. I go, I go mashed potato under that, and especially in these later years where we've gotten all really, really fancy with our mashed potatoes. Back in my day, you just put a pat of butter on it, some salt, call it a day. Now it's like truffle and garlic, and <laughs> like it's delicious. Um, baked potato. You make some gnocchi with some potato. I mean, it's. I, I sound like Ooh, the guy. I didn't Forrest think Gump. about that. I like gnocchi. I like. <laughs> it's just potatoes. Bill Belichick. It's the one time I'm like, yes, you nailed that one. Yeah, we. I make lasagna for Thanksgiving because I think turkey's overrated as well. And then I get a small turkey from my dad. That's it. Everyone else is like, no sides, lasagna, dessert. In that we order. have stuffed shells for Christmas. So I, as my, my very Italian family, we do it every single year. So I respect that. Oh, well, uh, that means we have to do a podcast near Christmas where we can talk about whatever players say something silly. We'll talk about that as well. The my worst food take cheese. is that, and I know this and I own this. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a French fry person. Like I, I oh like French my. fries. Like I will, if you give me, let's say, all right, if there, if there's a situation where you're going to give me a burger and you're going to give me some fries, like a nice yep. restaurant like some really yep. crisp fries, like duck fat fries. Like I will do it. I will eat that. But I don't go out of my way to seek out French fries. I've never been that kind of person. I have never met anyone like you in it's, my entire life. And it doesn't like, align with my personality. Like I'm not a health nut. I don't, it's not as if I'm too good for French fries. It's just <laughs> never been 
something that it, it's it has not carved out the space in my life wow. that it does with other people. The one exception to this. That's I love French fries with stuff on them. Like if you're gonna like give chili. me like nachos, but French fries with the base instead, or like a loaded right. fry or like a loaded right. I'm a tots person. I love tots. So I there are little tiny avenues off of this that I feel like are more justifiable. But I like if I go to a fast food restaurant, if I'm going to McDonald's or Wendy's or whatever, I don't get fries. I just I'm not gonna add them to what I'm getting. I do not feel like it's worth it to me. Robert, I'm not ending this podcast because he just said that. I'm ending it because of time. But in my heart, I want you to know I'm ending it because you just said you don't like French fries. <laughs> I feel like I've I should never, be commended I, I for showing the them. bravery to say that in public. No. I will wake up some days and be like, <laughs> I need French fries today. And like, that's all I can think about until I get French fries. It is on my death row meal list, like French fries. So yeah. All right. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm going to, I'm going to end the podcast, guys, only because we've hit the time, but Robert and I have more to talk about at some time in the later date. We may do an entire podcast on French fries. We may send you 800 pounds of different types of French fries. I will until we eat find them. One. I mean, that, I will eat them. So oh, that's a great. good idea or a bad idea, <laughs> depending on how you're going to spend that. I will try to come back and redeem myself at a later date in some way. Okay, that's fair enough. But I do appreciate the time. I know holidays are here. Everybody's crazy. We're all going to stuff our faces. Everyone have a great Thanksgiving. And, uh, and we'll see you when we see you. Appreciate you having me. 